um, you're going to be looking behind the scenes of our everyday lives and how you go about living an authentic Christian experience. Uh, so this is the first in a, a month-long series. I want to start with one of the most important revelations, I think, that anyone can come to in, in their lives is that while our personal process of sanctification, of, of becoming more like Christ, is a private journey that we go on, the outward signs of that journey, that is what we, um, what we deliberately and what we sometimes accidentally do in the world, um, that's very public and that's, that itself gives a very powerful image of what Christ is doing in your life, how you act, how you interact uh, and what you stand for. And so that public side of things, that how you actually bring the action to the intent, uh, that shows just how transformative a life in Christ is. So my question today is, how do your actions reflect the person you want to be, the person of becoming more like Christ? So I'm going to give you a few scriptures today just to, um, to help you unpack. The, the topic today is about reflecting, and so I want to give you a few scriptures if you're taking notes or punching it into your phone just over the next week or so and in connect groups to, uh, to really reflect on. Uh, in 1 John 2, verse 6, he says, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore, be imitators of God. The New Testament, the New Testament letters uh, talk quite a lot about what it means to be in Christ, to look like Christ, to grow like Christ. Uh, and it says that to be authentic Christians, that's a daily struggle for us. It's something, no matter how mature, no matter how intelligent or wealthy you may become in this world, that is going to be a daily process of transformation. So I'd flip that question, actually, and, and suggest um, it's not just about do the actions of your life reflect who you want to be. The question is, what does it look like to live like Christ? Um, he sets a pretty high benchmark, uh, for those of you who are recently coming into this. Um, so we need to figure out what it actually means. I mean... You know, he was this incredible being of strength and power, and yet he humbled himself by becoming flesh and blood. So today I want to look at the characteristics of God, those attributes by which he's known, um, the characteristics by which he acts, because they're the elements of his life that he calls us to in fellowship and fellowship. So we need to spend regular time, if every day is another part of the process of transformation, of growth, of um, becoming more like Christ, then that means every day we need to spend some time reflecting on who we are, what we're doing, why we're here at such a time and place as this. There's this, um, this great quote by Confucius that I'll, I'll share, and he says that learning without reflecting is a waste. But reflecting without learning anything from that, that's dangerous. Because you get to this point where you can become so fixated or so um, arrogantly self-confident in you being on the right path that you never actually stop and take stock of your life. You go back to those principles of how Jesus lived. Um, and you can get to a point where you start looking for selective verses to reinforce where you're at, what you're thinking of, and to justify the actions you've taken. And that reflection, to try and stop that, it can't happen privately. Um, and that's why 
connect groups are, are such an important part and why we place such importance on it because we need connections in our lives to bring that perspective in. We need um, partners, we need family, friends, business mentors, we need coaches, we need friends to come around us and to be honest with us, to give us that other insight into how we've been acting. I go back to Proverbs uh, 27, 19, this is out of the NIV version. Um, it's this very powerful verse that says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So whenever you think you're getting caught up in your own head about how you're acting and what your intent is and all these well wishes that you hope will come to pass, remember it's actually the actions that follow out of that that are going to make an impact on people's lives. Um, the, so the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, we have to take that next step into action. And so this is about reflecting on some of those. So where to start? I want to jump into Galatians today, all right? Uh, Galatians, uh, exploring the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians is, um, is this wonderful epistle. It's this, um, is probably written to a number of communities uh, around 15 to 20 years after Jesus' crucifixion. Um, Galatia is sort of West Turkey, um, to give you a bit of context to where we're up to at the moment. Um, and it's where Paul really gets into some of the, like the meat and potatoes of the new Christian order. Because uh, at this stage, there's no organised Christian community out there, right? There's lots of followers in different parts of, uh, of the area. Um, there's people who've heard individual apostles and their take on things. Um, and so this is really at the point where you've got new converts from paganism, like the, the Gentiles coming to Christ. At the same time, you've got Jews converting, uh, and they're all living and working in the same sort of space and, and social groups as the Mosaic Jews, the the traditional Jews. So you've got all these people coming together with different expectations and, uh, and different rules. And I mention this context because that history, I think, is just as important for us today. Right? We get into these, um, these incredible parts where new followers to Christ can sometimes become overwhelmed by all the, the tradition and the routine and the ceremony of what we do. And so they can um, just fall into directly imitating some of the older Christians in the congregation and not really understand or unpack why they do the things they do, what it actually means to tithe, for instance. You know, it, it's just something that gets said. Um, and for anyone who's doubting that, I mean, think the last time you had a conversation of, well, clearly you had a, a Catholic upbringing, or, yeah, that, that's what the Presbyterians do, that's, that's what the Northern Beaches do, <laughs> all right? There's, um, there's all these different perspectives and baggage and ideas that come with Christianity, uh, and so when we come together as a community again, um, if you don't take that time to reflect and think through it, you can very easily fall into these traps of just blindly mirroring. And so when it comes to the actions, it, it robs us of that authenticity. So today I want to set up a bit of a, a, bit of a self-reflective audit for you to take away over the next week and just to think through um, that reflective piece for yourselves. And so what do you see the fruits of the Spirit bearing out in your life. Now, actually unpacking it, it's more than just a, a list. It's about how well you see it in your own lives because these are the characteristics that are constantly being transformed in that daily journey. So that, I know there's lots of lists in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, the seven works of the flesh, the seven, there's an awful lot of lists. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. This is where I'm going today. 
Uh, it gets me every time you go, which list am I talking about? Which book? Okay, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Makes it clear there's nine attributes or nine uh, things which mark someone who is living a life fully empowered, fully transformed by Christ. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Saying that there's no law against it because they are the very embodiment of God. So I want to just go through it just a little bit slower because, I, as I said, there's lots of lists in the, the New Testament in particular and you can fall into this, yep, love, joy, yep, got it, let's move on, like, what's the next part of it? There is a lot of meat behind these words and um, it's one part that unless you really get into it and have a look at some of the earlier context and the, you know, the Greek behind it, it, you can lose a bit of that. So getting into it, love. Um, this is the, the agape love. This is, it's a love feast, quite literally. It's an abundant outpouring of, of love, um, benevolent, the, this brotherly, sisterly love that transcends understanding. You've got joy. Uh, and joy is a bit of a tricky one because sometimes we can um, confuse that with happiness. And happiness is a, a fleeting thing. It's generally driven by an event or a particular circumstance. Joy is this serene thing that just endures. You get to peace. And peace is, um, the irene behind it is this evolution of the idea of shalom. You've heard it. It's, um, it's tranquility in the midst of chaos. So it's not the absence of all distractions. It's not the absence of noise in your life. It's peace in the midst of it. Get to patience. And um, the Greek is most literally, it's a long temper. Right? It, it, think of someone who could and should rightly avenge themselves. You know, someone who has all the grounds in the world to go and fly off the handle, but keeps themselves under control and says, no, I'm going to let this go on. Get to kindness. Uh, kindness is not empty niceness. All right, it's not about being oblivious to the world or just continually turning the other cheek. It's acting to help those who are nevertheless testing your patience. Right? It's about being adaptable and rigid rather than um, being quite fixed in your, your relationships. And goodness is the, the other part to that same coin. The, the root word is very similar. Um, kindness is the doing Goodness is the virtue of generosity that sits behind it. Um, it's the righteousness in your heart. It's a faithfulness, and faithfulness is, a, um, is another one that I think we can gloss over quite quickly. It's not just about being inherently trustworthy and saying, oh, I absolutely trust Nigel in this regard. It's about someone who is themselves trusting. So you don't, you can take people at face value. You don't need to have all this evidence behind you. You don't need to have this track record it's someone who is trustworthy and trusting in their actions. Gentleness is, is one of my favourite fruits because it, it, it's one that I, I, I need to unpack regularly in my life. It, it seems to keep coming up. Um, it's the most powerful because of what it implies about your outward-facing actions. Gentleness can often be read as meekness, you know, the, and the meek will inherit the earth. Um, meekness is as far from weakness as you could possibly imagine. Meekness is about evenness of temper. 
Uh, It's not about being a doormat or being walked over in all aspects of your life. Someone who is meek, someone who is gentle, is someone who has their power, has their strength completely under control, and they can tap into it for the good of the people around them. And self-control is about discipline, it's about a bit of self-initiative. Are you a master of your own body, of your own mind, or are you captive to someone else? Do you do you need to hit the snooze 27 times before you actually get yourself out of bed in the morning? Okay. Not, this is bringing it into the current context for you. You can see these nine fruits, they, it's one of the, um, the most like, still waters run deep verses in the Bible. You, know, you can sit there and you could have series upon series written out of the fruits of the Spirit, um, unpacking it, what it means in your life, how Jesus lived these out. Because before I started really unpacking it, again, you get to this part where you can skip over it a, a little bit and get onto the, the other parts of uh, Galatians. But really understanding it is critical to understanding how you, why you are in your current situation and how you grow out of it, how you develop through it to become more like Christ. See, I'm a, I'm a complete believer in frameworks. I need some sort of logic, consistency framework to make sense of the world. Right? There is so much going on, there's so much noise, there's so many competing ideas and aspirations. I, I need something myself to hang it off and to start making sense. Um, that's what drives my curiosity, it's what's driven me to study, uh, it's what drives me to seek new experiences. My professional job is to to frame business development objectives, to talk about what the consequences are and a a roadmap through it. I I am a professional overthinker, (laughs) right? In every part of my life, that's me, all right? So the fruits of the Spirit, that gives me a framework to think about how we grow through it. Uh, And so with that, I want to come to one of the, um, the pillar verses of our Christian faith, one that we use time after time, for, for good reason. It's uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 to 13. It's one that you might know, it's the, the God brings all things together for good. Uh, it's a verse that I, I think most people, even if you couldn't quote it, you know what we're talking about. It says this, um, this is the uh, amplified version. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice and I will listen. You will seek me and require me and when you find me, uh, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Have a drink of water before I get to this next bit. I say this is a tricky one because sometimes we use it a bit like Panadol. You know, something's going wrong in your life and you go, take two Jeremiah 29s, have a meal, have a lie down, you'll, you'll be fine, it'll all work out for good. All right? There's a lot to this verse. And I'm not trying to diminish its importance in any way. It's a, it's a very powerful piece of Scripture. Um, and I'm not trying to remove the fact that we fall back on Scripture in these times of trouble. Um, my point is that superficial reading of Scripture rarely helps our transformation. Superficial reading doesn't really help us reflect. Hashtag trash your Bible. <laughs> All right, we read scripture and we attend services and we open our homes, but unless we really get into the, the substance behind it and figure out why we're, why we're called to do this, why we're called to trust in God with all our heart, 
when right now it feels like we're in a pretty crappy situation, we can't move through that, we can't grow out of it, and we can't be a beacon to others who are in that same position. Um, and Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So it isn't just about enduring, it isn't about doing the actions that um, God's commanded us, it's about understanding it so that we can be that beacon of hope, that we can, when other people come to us and say, you seem to be doing fine, you don't just say, Jeremiah 29, read it, everything will be fine, you can actually talk through why this is helping you in your life, right, if you want to be an effective beacon of hope, if you want to be driving out that darkness of the world, then you need absolute confidence in a solid identity in Christ that you can stand on, that you can hold firm, that you can push through in those times of trouble and strife. Uh, the Jeremiah Scripture does not absolve you of your need to figure out your identity in Christ. It doesn't say that you just need to sit here and if you have a heart for God, eventually everything will all come to pass. Right. Just because God has superior plans for you, and this is, if you take nothing else away, just because God has superior plans for you, does not mean you can be asleep at the wheel of your life. You are called to greatness. Come on! Right, Jeremiah at the time was writing to the, the captives in Babylon. Uh, he was reminding them that, look, God's promised your exile to be short. Um, this verse in context, and remember there's two parts to the Scripture in the Bible. There's the, the eternal relevance part, and there's the fact he was talking very clearly to a people in a time and place and context. Um, the eternal relevance um, is about saying, redemption will come, so don't get comfortable with where you are. Because this is only transitory. But, where you are right now, with who you are, is for a reason. Don't blatantly ignore the present, don't sit on your hands, don't think, well, there's nothing I need to learn from here, I just need to, I'll keep turning up every Sunday and wait for the seven years to expire and then, boom, out of exile. That's not what this scripture is about, all right? You need to seek God with all your heart to discover why you're here right now. It might be that you're being prepared for the next opportunity. It might be that you need to suffer a consequence, um, it might be just so that you are a light to people around you who aren't as mature in their walk, who need someone to be bringing guidance and perspective in. Whatever it is, in all three of those situations, people are looking to your actions. They're looking to how you physically manifest the place you're in. They're looking to see whether God's transformation is something that's just, you know, you listen to it like a podcast or whether it's actually transformed your life whether you have actually grown as a person in your maturity as well as your actions. That's what people are going to be looking for. And so when you're in that time and place, that's the reflection we need to be having. So living a life in Christ is what um, Martin Heidegger said, is an authentic existence. Um, Heidegger was a, a German Christian philosopher who spent most of his life grappling with um, the ideas out of John chapter 15 and it's that idea of being in the world but not of the world. That was, his, that was his bag. That was what he focused on. 
said, you know, we're free from evil and sin, but we're still surrounded by it. We're, um, we're a, the sculptor and we're the clay at the same time. How do, you, how do we make sense of that? How do we unpack it? Um, and Heidegger, you know, being the good German philosopher that he is, he spent half his time making up words with 49 letters. Um, but the other half of his life, he, he really focused on this thing about how do you, how do you figure out why I'm part of this generation? This isn't just about my own journey. I'm here right now. I am personally standing here in front of the congregation right now. For what purpose am I here? Who am I speaking to? What opportunities has God laid before me that I need to grow through and communicate right now? I have, a, um, I have an executive coach at work. Um, he's a, this wonderful former French pastor um, slash robotics engineer. Um, that has no relevance to the message. I just thought it was cool. Thought I'd share with you. Um, no, Francois is um, being a, a believer and being in the business community. He's um, he's been able to bring a few really deep insights to me. And um, I just caught up with him this last Tuesday. There's a, a bit of flux at work and some opportunities coming up. I sort of said, look, I don't know what to do. Where, where do I go next? And um, he looked at me point blank and said. That's not the question. It's what are you doing with your gifts right now? The question isn't, are you being effective? It's, are you being the most effective according to your gifts, according to your strengths in Christ? I went, <laughs> all right. He hit it home with, the question is not, what should I do next? It's, what should I do next for Christ in the world. And needless to say, I have a lot of homework to do before my <laughs> next session with him, uh, a lot of thinking to do. Uh, but it's true, you know, if, if you are where you are right now in your life, it's for a reason, it's for a, a biblical reason that God has some part that you're playing in uh, your current generation. So the question comes back, what godly traits are you displaying? Uh, are you sitting here, are you surrendering, are you just copying it all that's coming to you? Or are you looking on those fruits and thinking, how am I displaying gentleness? How can I be most patient in my generation right now and be that beacon of hope to others? I make the point about Francois and the, the letter to the Galatians because the heart of this comes back to connections. Okay? Personal reflection does not mean solitary reflection. That's a really important part I, I want to reinforce today. Uh, I can't emphasise enough how critical those Christian connections are in your life, um, in helping you unpack the fruits, in bringing new ideas into the mix. So I have friends, I, I do, honest to God, I have friends. <laughs> I have uh, business mentors, personal mentors, um, coaches, I have people I, I look up to around my life. Um, because I need someone to challenge me about whether I've actually understood an issue, about whether I'm um, seizing the real substance of an opportunity that's in front of me. Because I need to understand, I, I, I know that I'm personally prone to sometimes jumping to a solution and trying to reverse engineer the thinking to fit the problem and square peg, round hole. We get into some trouble sometimes. Um, that's why connect groups are, are such a vital part. And I don't use connect groups in the sense 
They've, um, you know, it's not a fortnightly Bible study. That's, that's a tiny part of what connections mean. Connections could be catching up for coffee with a group of friends in the morning. It could be having dinner over a, a footy game. It could be uh, going away for a weekend. You will not find all the answers yourself. No matter how intelligent you are, no matter how well-read you are, you will not find all the answers if you do it on your own. Such a critical part for us to, uh, to keep thinking about. Reflecting in Christ, drawing on the true meaning of those fruits in the Spirit. That's the difference between being a light to the world and just putting on an act. That's where it comes down to. That's the suffering blindly in exile for 70 years and figuring out why on earth you are here right now, how you can grow, how you can be better, how you can be most effective for the world. There's a lot there. I'll leave with you. So to wrap up here, um, we want to be looking behind the scenes of our Christianity. We want to be popping the hood, seeing that everything's working together to drive us forward, to help us realise these plans that God has for us. And to do that, we're going to be looking, I think, at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, to 23. So I want to ask you to do two things. First is reflect. Privately, in prayer, publicly, in connection. I want you to be honest and ask for honesty from others. Find those trusted people in your life who can help you answer Francois's question for yourself. You know, what should I do for the world? Why am I part of this generation right now? Think about what an authentic experience means and whether you've been living that life or just making it seem like you have. And the second one is go back in prayer and study this week. Don't just look at the fruits as another list in the Bible. Don't think of them as like a, you know, a LinkedIn skills category that, you, yes, I've got patience, I'll move on to the next aid and, and work. It's not a ticker box exercise. That's not what we're here for. All right? Think about them, reflect on them, go, how did Jesus display gentleness? Because remember, it is not beyond Jesus to walk into a house and start flipping tables. All right? Think about how he applied them, how they were unpacked and what they revealed about his true character and his identity in Christ. Why don't we stand? Um, so we need to understand why Jesus acted the way he did if we're ever to understand our own identity in Christ. Because that identity is the only way to get the confidence and the authenticity to realise those plans that God has for us. Just uh, bow your heads, just take a minute. If you don't know your identity in Christ, if you don't know what a transformed life would be like, I think now's a perfect time to, to make that prayer and to say, Lord, I, I need you to come into my place right now. I, I want to get deeper with you. I want to get richer. I, I want to figure out what I'm here for. Lord, I want you to come in and utterly transform me. If you've never asked Christ to take on that role, if, if you've never asked him to be your personal Lord and Saviour, if you've just reflected today in hearing this and gone, 
I need him in my life I, in a, a different way than I thought. I, I, I haven't been grappling with that transformation. and I've been looking inwardly when I need to have connections and be being that beacon of hope. If you want to walk his path and bear his fruits, shine his face, then I want you to come forward after this and I'd love to just lead you in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessings you pour out in our lives, for the ones we recognize and for the blessings and the protections for which we are completely oblivious. Thank you. Lord, help us to to draw nearer to you today. Help us to understand the plans and the thoughts you have for us, to understand why we have been placed here in this circumstance at this time and how we can best imitate the life character, the mission of your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fall down on us today. Stir in us this um, stir in us a renewed energy to make manifest that transformed life. Help us understand our identity in Christ. Let our thoughts and let our actions bring glory to God in all things make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Give Josh a big hand. Wow, what a message. <laughs> Too much homework. <laughs> hey, uh, one of the points that Josh made was that uh, good intentions are not enough. It's the actions that God is looking for. So if you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour, and you're here today, you have to make that step. And, a, and that step is to, Josh will be down the front here, come down the front, allow him to lead you in a prayer that makes Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you're away from God at the moment, for whatever reason, and that's not important. But having an intention to come back to God or get your life right is not enough. Come down the front. Pray a prayer. Come back to Him. His arms are reached out to you this morning, waiting for you to take that step. And in regards to just growing ourselves in our own calling and our own gifting and what God has for us, as Josh said, good intentions are not enough. Make the plan. Take the steps to be the person God's called you to be and for us to be the church God has called us to be to be a light in this area. And as we do that together, God will move powerfully. We'll see His kingdom come and His will done. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a great big hand. Great to see you this morning. Hopefully you can hang around, grab a coffee. Uh, Water baptisms, if you haven't been, go to Next Step. Put your name down. Don't have a good intention. Take the step. God bless you. Amen. He came from heaven's throne.